Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. This week, I bring you two conversations, Aaron Zinger and Chance Foreman. We get things started with Aaron next. First, let's talk about coffee and the unforgettable blends from American Pride Roasters. APR coffee is the kind of brew that you lay in bed in the morning and just think about, like, I've got to get out of this bed and get me some of that yummy coffee. It's a motivator, APR coffee is. It got its start in Des Moines, Iowa, nearly a decade ago. Then the owner reached out to our late friend, Doc Thompson, who fell in love with what is easily the best, most flavorful coffees available, APR Coffee. Doc Thompson was a great friend to all of those who knew him, and Dave Matthews from APR is no exception. Doc became more than just an unpaid promoter of APR Coffee. They would send him the occasional coffee delivery, but he was also a mentor a big brother, and quite frankly, a guardian angel, as Dave himself puts it. Doc Thompson believed in the team at APR Coffee and enjoyed their many flavors, as do I. If you haven't tried APR, I hope that you will today. Head over to aprcoffee.com, select one of the many blends you cannot go wrong. And at checkout, be sure to use offer code ATM. Saves you 10% on your purchase. That's aprcoffee.com, offer code ATM. And look forward to getting out of bed in the morning. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Erin Zinger was born and raised in California, but she got to Texas as soon as she could. She's a fan of math. I got to be honest, I didn't realize there were fans of math. Uh, she's looking forward to the day that we land on Mars, and, and she and I recently sat down. She's part one of two conversations today on At The Mic. Erin, thanks for making time. I appreciate it a lot. Keith, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Excited to be here. This is uh, this is gonna be a fun conversation because right out of the gate, I've got to ask you about a traumatic experience in your life. Yeah, I'm sorry. You were born and raised in California. That's your traumatic experience. That's 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 hey, my that's- Reagan. <laughs> Reagan was was our governor. Yeah. When I was born, I'm aging myself, but Uh-oh. I get it. I've moved to Texas. I'm one of those. So that's how, a transplant. How was it growing up in California? Because you're an 80s child, right? I am. You know, I tell people this. I grew up in Southern California, and it reminds me a lot of Texas today in that it was the place that people that were entrepreneurs came to make their dreams come true. Granted, I was a kid, but I saw, grew up in a middle-class family, and we were able to do everything. Houses were affordable. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You could go to the beach, buy a beach house that was... 150,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. That won't get you anything today. Exactly. So, and then seeing that change, it makes me really sad. And the schooling was really good. I grew up in a Christian community as well, which I don't know if that exists uh, out there right now. (laughs) Um, I think it does, but it's very hard to find because when I went to college and then lived in Manhattan Beach in LA, it was just a very different environment. I felt very isolated, but I had great friends. But from a conservative standpoint, I was like the 1%. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, and you don't fit in when people are trying to talk politics. This was when Barack Obama was, you know, running. So everyone was very amped up about it. And I remember being attacked at a bar because I said I wasn't voting for him at a bar, like having a good time. And I'm like, guys, I'm just, let's have a good time. And they were just coming after me. I'm like, this is crazy. So 
Anyway, a few, a few years later, I make good money out there and I'm like, screw this state. They just raised my taxes <laughs> to 13%. I'm going to go to Texas. I was thankful that I could transfer with my company and, and I got a pay are. raise right here away. Yeah. And not only that, but there's no state income tax here. So that's helpful. And I chose Austin. I mean, why not? Why not hang out with more liberals? And because uh, I love being around them, you know, uh-huh. I like being, you know, the one that's just different. So, <laughs> so. Let's, let's back up for a second here, because you you grew up out there in mm-hmm. the Riverside, California yep. area, Orange County, mm-hmm. and you have an older brother, correct? I do. Okay, he's an orthopedic surgeon. We've probably crossed paths since I've been under the knife so many times with orthopedic surgeons. Uh, we're, he's not in Texas, is he? He's in Chicago. Okay, then all right. Then he may be the one doctor, the one orthopedic surgeon that uh, hasn't cut me open. Yeah. So that's cool. All right. Uh-oh. What surgeries have you had? Because oh my gosh. I've had both my knees done with ACL. Oh, wow. That's Soccer big time. Soccer and dance. So oh, I have two elbow surgeries on the oh, same geez. elbow. I have a shoulder reconstruction Oh my God. With a torn labrum, torn bicep. I mean, the whole, I mean, literally half a dozen things going on. From Are you a, a baseball player? I was. This was actually, the, the shoulder was a uh, terrible injury from church softball as an adult. Uh, you never trust a Methodist third baseman. Okay, cheap shot. Ow. Um, what else have I been under the knife for? Um, I, I, I tore a labrum in my hip kicking field goals uh, here at work. Nice. Yeah, that's, I mean... That's what I do. I just, I, I, I tear muscles. I tear body parts and then I go under the knife. It's just, a, I was due. I was due for a, a major surgery. I think that's it as far as, um, as far as injury surgeries. Well, no, my brother. So I'm really proud of him, actually. I mean, we grew up, we were very close. I was beat up a lot because he was four years older than me and all the boys in the neighborhood were my age. So Wait, not beat up. In a, who beat you up? I don't want to say beat up, I guess. Wait, I guess I was a brother? tomboy. Well, Uh-oh. you know when you're the only girl. What's your brother's name? His name is Ryan. Ryan. It wasn't bad. It's, he made up? me a tough chick. Like <laughs> That's I have. Good. That's good. Skin. That's cool. Yes, exactly. And you can thank him. I, like, for example, we would play roller hockey in the cul-de-sac, and I would oh, be the nice. goalie. I'm the smallest, and they would just be launching the pucks or the balls at my head. That was the goal, not to make goals, okay, but to hit me. And oh. I would, and I, and I would be, I'd be a good goalie. I would stop. And good for you okay because i didn't want to get you know i played go- i loved playing goalie and i didn't with, like it with the but... street hockey stuff <laughs> but i don't i don't think i would consider that beating you up i think that would be i was the center for football i'm five three now so when mm-hmm. i was little with all boys i'm the center is that what it's called when yeah. you're like you the spike defense? the ball or when you yes. snap the ball that's what i did you, wait you snapped the ball with the quarterback yes okay and then you protected the quarterback yes well I didn't really. Yeah, but I mean, that was that was what you were supposed to be doing. Because I wanted to hang out with the boys, they mm-hmm. had to put me in the toughest position possible. Good. So that I wouldn't hang out with them. But I just toughened up. So and, that you wouldn't hang out with them? Yeah, because they didn't want to, like, like, a this... kid's sister running around. Okay, but I got news for you. I had to be tough. Boys aren't that smart. That that I don't know that they really had that much foresight. Okay. But, uh, so it did toughen you up, though, right? It did. It helped you get out of California. It did. Texas. It did. Okay. Yes. And... What was your earliest memory as a child growing up? I would say my earliest memory of many, but the one that's like vivid, this is going to sound silly. I think it's because we're in summertime, but going to, 
I don't know if people remember this, but Thrifties had ice cream, like really good ice cream. Mm. And I would go with my dad and my brother and I would get either mint chip or cookies and cream, double scoop. And I'm like five. And there's just something like we would walk to the, the ice cream store, have it, walk back. And there was this one time where there were these box of Labradors outside and puppies. I was puppies, yeah. puppies. And they, I said, dad, they're free. They have a sign that says free. I'm five years old. I'm like, they're not even a penny. We have to get one. Nice. So I can, he's like, they're not free. There's work involved. I'm like, I will take care of it. Again, I'm five. Mm -hmm. I convinced him. This is mm -hmm. when I knew that I would be a salesperson one day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we got it. Sparky, my first dog and, you know, loved him. And that was my first experience with having my own pet growing up. And now I have two Labradors. So I don't, I could potentially be unearthing a bad memory here. Mm hmm. Uh oh. Wait, I don't know. But Sparky. Sparky. Right. Was, was he a part of your childhood for a long time? Or? He was. Okay, good. All right, up good. until 16. Oh, that's so, wow. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. And it so, was sad, but he was, and he, he was a happy dog. Yeah. Um, up until the last week where he slowed mm. down. So. Um, and that's okay. So did you actually take care of him, uh, as a kid or did you stuff that off on your parents or oh, I no. think I did. Oh boy. I'm pretty sure no, I, I, I was on doo -doo, doggy doo doo duty. I was always picking up the doo doo. That was my, my brother made sure that was my job. That's more than my kids do. So no, I mean, my kids <laughs> feed their pets and, and give them water and they love on them and stuff. Yeah. But something has happened with the, uh, dog poo patrol i don't know why that lasted for a very short period of time when we first started owning dogs but um wait what do you mean nobody's picking up the dog poop the lawnmower is picking it up well i mean isn't it fertilizer <laughs> it is in my <laughs> that's why that's why we have the greenest yard in the my mom would agree True with story. you on that that's what she does in colorado with her dogs she just lets it go and i have my little baggies where i'm out there picking picking it up i'm not gonna lie to you when we started this conversation i did not expect that we would be discussing uh dog poop dog dog poop mm -hmm. <laughs> um so you went to college at california state yeah cal state long beach i think is yes. a hip way to say it right it is cal state long beach okay and uh, you majored in business finance i did so you must be good with math i am yeah i took calculus <laughs> Wow. I think I'm good in finance. Statistics. What is it like to be good at math? Because I don't know that feeling. Okay. So numbers are black and white. <laughs> okay. They make sense. And I think that alone, you know that two plus two equals four, not five. Is that still the case in America? I don't know. And that's what's so frustrating is that's what I love about math. It is specific. Like right. you can get to an end result and it's... There's no creative aspect of it to get to the answer. <laughs> right. It's direct. Uh, I'm a very direct person. And mm. so I, that's, I, it, it makes sense in my mind. And it's sad, actually. I, I've been reading in California that a lot of, um, you know, calculus classes are not being offered to certain students. And aren't we trying to get to Mars? And don't you need math, like smart people to, to know the math to get there? And if we're kind of dumbing down our youth. I talk to so many friends that have kids and they don't like math and the parents don't like math. I'm like, guys, you got, you got to embrace it. Not no offense to you, but I'm just saying hmm. it has to be something when you think of coding, when you think somebody's got to get science, us there, right? Someone has to get us there. Hopefully not China. Um, <laughs> so 
the finance was fun because it wasn't boring being a math teacher or I don't know, going in calculus class. I liked the business aspect of it because I'm a very person, like I was a cheerleader. I like being in front of people. Um, I never knew that sales was my calling, but it kind of fit really well. Um, and having a finance degree, it gave me exposure to business mm. and investments, things like that. So, But you are also a president's ambassador. What is yes. that? I represented the school in that when you had big recruits that were coming, I would show them around campus. Sports recruits? Sports recruits, okay. yep and talk to them about the community, the campus, the events, why they should come there. And so, and, and we met with donors as well to kind of get them to the boosters to donate to the, to the college and university um, for events. So we were the face of the university. I was one of many ambassadors. So you work for Oracle now? I do. What, what is this? You gotta explain this <laughs> back office Oracle cloud platform. What, is that, what does that mean? So Oracle is second largest technology company in the world, second to Microsoft. Um, back office is meaning your like a business's financial planning system, their enterprise, like when you're talking about your supply chain or invoicing and then the HR. So it's kind of the finance aspect and then your HR system. So mm -hmm. when you get your paycheck, when you have to take an absence, um, when you go through a talent review process, when you're recruiting people, all of that is your back office to a business. Okay. Whereas the front office is your customer experience. So think of like shopping on Amazon, that's sure. your customer experience. The back end of all of that that's working, that's what I sell to large companies. And it sounds so boring, but it is so fun. Is a lot of travel involved with that or? You know, I live in Austin. Oracle just moved our headquarters to Austin, which is great. But I travel to Houston and Dallas a lot. Okay. That's where my companies are. Gotcha. This is interesting because I guess I just, this didn't really click with me mm -hmm. when you sent back the email. Mm -hmm. But just before we hit record, you had talked about being a professional cheerleader for the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, I did, did that. Did I hear for, that correctly? <laughs> almost. Okay. I did that for so I I was a professional cheerleader for a couple teams in California, the Angels, which that was when it was owned by Disney, and the Ducks, it's a hockey team, and then I did the summer pro leagues for the Lakers. Wow. And then I blew my knee out the year oh. of the season, which is fine because I was getting old. When you're in your late or mid twenties, and everyone's eighteen, um, and not. This is I'm, that breaks I'm my older. heart to hear that the mid twenties is considered. It, old. I know it, it is. So what's mid forties? Because that's where I am. Um, well, Ancient. I'm a geriatric millennial apparently. So wait, what's I don't a, know. Wait, what is the You're what is the time frame for a geriatric 81. millennial? Eighty one is a okay, geriatric. Okay, nineteen eighty one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just learned that. Oh no. Well, because I'm a Gen X. Yes, I, I should be a Gen X. I don't understand a geriatric well, millennial. I'm sure you could find there. The the scale is all <laughs> over the place for for what the generation you know year <laughs> span is. So you could find. I guarantee you, there's somewhere out there a definition of a 1981 birth being a Gen Xer. There is. Oh, there you go. So but why don't you just changed it? What? You know how it is. They change it. I was a I was a Gen X, then I was a Gen Y, then I was a millennial. What? And we've ended up at the geriatric millennial. Even I, though the internet was not of age when I was a kid. I don't so. care for this. I don't care for that. I don't either. No. You, 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 Gen X. I'm a Gen X. Yeah, thank you. We're the best generation. 
in my opinion. Remember when, when they used to think we were just a bunch of slackers? Yeah, and look at us now. And and boy, you talk about a sliding scale. When when you see the, the generations that have followed us, now they look at us as like, you know, the sage of of of, of American society. I don't have kids, but when you're giving kids <laughs> trophies yes. for just Preach. participating. <laughs> I know. I won't let my kids take those. Good. If, if, if my Thank kids you. are awarded a participation trophy just for being a part of the season, Mm-mm. I say, you don't take that. Good. No, you do not take that. Did you get first place? Maybe runner up. Okay. Yeah. But beyond that, don't you dare take that trophy thank you Ugh, no. growing up dancing you had your first second place third and if you lost you lost you want to feel that loss and know that i need to work my ass off so i can be first it makes you better if you get a trophy for just showing up you're not going to want to put in the work and i think that's society today well and because i work in hr I, I work with hr organizations we are they are now catering to this younger generation of making them feel valued and good about everything as opposed to putting in the hard work and knowing what it's like to have that tough love in the workplace like this is this is not rainbows and gumdrops like easy world to work in um so it's really interesting to see the generations now i will say and the company i work for they bring in some of the most brilliant young kids young minds that are hardworking. that their parents have taught them to save um, they understand, you know, they've got to put in the work to get promoted. And that is why I love the company I get to work at because it's kind of old school values. They mm. still embody. Um, and you don't see that a lot in other organizations in my industry. Who has had the biggest impact on you? I think the biggest impact, I don't know if I want to go down this road, but the biggest impact in my life is really my faith mm. uh, with Jesus Um, mainly because I've gone through just through my thirties, some really challenging medical situations, um, personally, and I'm a single female who owns her own house and, you know, very independent. And when you're going through trials, uh, that are related to medical, you can feel very isolated. Mm -hmm. And my faith has really been one of the strongest things to just keep me keep my outlook positive to get through it when you feel like your body is like you know rejecting you Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and so i would say that is an area that god god has my faith in god has really had a big impact um and then you know obviously the church family that's around that um that's great yeah that's great so tell us about your awesome boyfriend oh his name is alex he actually lives in colorado Mm -hmm. which i'm very jealous especially during the Texas summer, uh-huh. but I get to go visit now. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm, it's, it's perfect. Oh, that's, that's helpful. Apparently. So ladies out there, just tip. Apparently Denver is called Menver. So if you are single, you're supposed to go to is Denver the, and meet all the men. What? I didn't know this. He had, he educated. <laughs> I did not know this. Okay. I did not know oh, this. Oh no, you got to get up there. You got to move up there then. I, well. Men, how long has it been called Menver? I've I never heard that. A couple years at least. I mean, it's, he, he told me about this. He said, Man, if you were up in Denver, you it's called Menver because the women come up here to meet their men. And I actually know of a uh. girl in Austin who met her now husband in Denver and moved. So, no, but we work together. We've been boyfriend-girlfriend for, you know, a while. COVID, really, mm. I know it was horrible, but I have some blessings from it. I'm in a relationship that's great. And uh, Oh, so you wouldn't have met him if not for COVID? I don't think that it would have been in... I, I think because of work travel... 
it probably wouldn't have been the same dynamic. Gotcha. You're an animal lover, right? I am. So t- tell us about your, uh, you got a couple of puppies, right? I have two fur babies. Okay. They are white Labradors. I know they say yellow, but they're white Labradors <laughs> named Daisy and Apollo. They are the loves of my life. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, they fill up my feed. <laughs> I, my boy Apollo is famous on Peloton pups. Um, wait a minute. Wait, there's a lot of information here. Let me stop. He's for a, a dancing Peloton pup, wait by the way. Hold on. <laughs> what is a Peloton pup? I know what a Peloton is. So I own a Peloton, okay. and uh, when I'm riding my Peloton, I like to take video of him while I'm riding the Peloton, and he literally dances with his toy around <laughs> the bike the entire time. So awesome. I might be on the bike for an hour, and he is getting a workout going in circles around the bike dancing while I'm riding the bike. Oh, that's cool. So I think that my legs moving very fast make him think that he has to run or something. I don't understand it, <laughs> but it's the funniest thing, and and it's entertaining. Oh, we got to see this. Oh yeah, I oh. will show you. Okay, this is a good video. Good, good. It may, it may be in contention with some of the animal videos that you show. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Honorable mention, maybe. Uh huh. So, was there ever a Zeus? No, no Zeus. Because you know Higgins from from Magna PI had Zeus and Apollo. I just want to make sure there wasn't like a sore spot there. You like no. Zeus passed away early. No, I was gonna name him Duke because I had Daisy. <laughs> okay. But the guy that I was dating at the time came up with Apollo, and I thought, you know what, that's a cool name. Yeah. So that's how he got his name Apollo, mm. and it fits him. He's a goof. That's good. That's good. So you're a Peloton enthusiast. Peloton enthusiast. What is the <laughs> What is this 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 Peloton community? What what is this? Uh, I mean, I know just enough from the commercials, uh, you know that 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 you get you get on a bike, right? And you compete with people across the country. Are you? Do you see them in real time? Do you see everybody sweating through their cameras or something? Well, you could do that. I don't. <laughs> okay. uh, I've done it with family. The sweat, and I'm like, this is just awkward. <laughs> um, but when obviously the pandemic hit. I actually bought the bike right before the shutdown. Mm. So my bike came within a week, which was great. I lucked out and didn't really understand the community aspect until I started riding for the first month. And through social media, you have just people across the world, actually. So in London, I mean, I have friends from London, Mm. uh, in Germany, uh, but a lot of them are in New Jersey, New York. And we hold each other accountable. Now, they're very competitive. I mean, some of them are trainers. They're extremely athletic. Um, I don't really care about the competition on the leaderboard, it's called. I just get a really good workout. The instructors are the best, I think, in the country. Um, And it's more than just riding a bike. You can get off and do some strength training. You Mm. can do bar, uh, which taps into my dance background. Um, You can do running outdoors. I mean, everything. You can have your whole gym within Peloton. And it's brilliant, actually. I'm just a big fan of waking up at 5 a.m., walking upstairs and getting on a bike. And I've got 10 friends with me riding, high-fiving virtually. And then after, we just harass each other on Instagram. So hold on a second. Hold on. (laughs) Is is music playing while you're doing this? Yeah, it is. The instructors have playlists. They kill you the entire ride. I mean, it's intense. Do you have any say in the music that you're working out to? You can, well, no. The instructor, oh, if you're see, doing a live no. ride, they pick. Well, however, I will say this. You can go through and pick uh, a, an on-demand class, and it gives you the playlist. Like, if you're into heavy metal, they have heavy metal ride. So you can see what songs are going to be played. And if you're like, hey, I like five out of six, I'll do the ride, and you're motivated. 
Well, because you're of the opinion, and it's an opinion I share, that the 90s was the best decade for music. 100%. So I don't know that I could... There's a lot of 90s rides. Well, what I was going to say is, I don't know that I could work out to fill in the blank, but I could have just stopped that sentence at, I don't know that I could work out, period. No, I... I, Are you... um, You don't get any say in, in the music that you get to work out to? Let me back up and say... We do like the songs as we're going through it. And okay. I, I do believe that because Peloton is really a technology company. Yes, they're also fitness, but it's really technology. Um, so when you're liking the songs, their instructors are seeing what's most popular for a 90s ride. And so a lot of songs that I've favorited on former 90s rides always seem to you know filter through the playlist. Uh, so you do have a say in, in that way. It's not... Mm-hmm. You're not, but you can also message the instructor and say, hey, I know you've got a ride next week. Can you play these songs? <laughs> nice. <laughs> and maybe they'll play one. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So you recently reread the book 1984. I did. Okay. Um, tell people why George Orwell needs to be read today. It's interesting reading it now. I think it is so relevant with what was discussed because of technology, big tech and censorship. Whereas when I read it in high school, hmm. you didn't really have that. Mm-hmm. So you're just thinking, okay, right. how are they? Is it like a spy guy with exactly. a headphone writing on paper? And now... It doesn't... It's a completely different yes. point of view. A Absolutely. different perspective looking at that book now as opposed to yeah. 20, 30 years ago. And yes, it's got the old-fashioned stuff in it, but it's so relevant with Ministry of Truth and just how they are transforming just society and manipulating people and how they think. Um, and it's it's no wonder they're not having kids read this book in school. It was required learning. Right. And uh, I think that kids, I think parents, I, again, I'm not a parent, but it would be wise for them to have them just get educated on it, in my opinion. So I looked at the five possessions you would keep. Oh, gosh. Well, no, I mean, it's fine. I... Just, I I mean, it makes sense. You know, your iPhone, your Peloton, good face cream. Okay. Yes, because you're uh, on an island, right? Yeah, sure. Yes, um, your dogs. But what is what is HU Chocolate Gems? What now? <laughs> Y'all, these are crack chocolate. It's not crack. really crack, but it is. Okay, so if you don't know the brand Who, HU, oh. they're based in New York. It is, you'll see them at Whole Foods, Sprouts, uh, the best chocolate that's clean. I'm, a, I'm one of the weirdos that can't have gluten, and so I have to eat certain foods. And this is the best chocolate, so I could live off of it. I would be fine. What does that mean, though, clean chocolate? Does it have preservatives and No stuff? gluten, no preservatives. Mm. It is cacao, coconut sugar, and I think that's it. I mean, it is, and you're like, this is sinful when you eat it. Yeah, you got to try it. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not getting sponsorship or anything for who. <laughs> uh, for it's who? It's just for who. H-U. Who's that? No, I'm sorry. I'm never mind. Let, that, let that go. <laughs> yeah. Please let that go. You mentioned being gluten-free. Yeah. My son is as well. He has so many food allergies. It, it I think it makes me more sad for him than it, than it does for himself. And we've gotten to the point where there are some really good options. Yes. If you do have to go gluten-free. Yep. I will say that I have not... Because I, I, I sample, you know, the stuff that he eats and just... I've not found a good sandwich bread for him that that I like as well, you know? Like, in other words, I can eat his pizzas or mm-hmm. something like that, 
But I is there a sandwich bread out there that is close to what we're used to? I would say Udi's is an option. Yeah, Danielle are- Walker is against all grain is her blog. She has a recipe that's very simple and it's kind of a nutty flavored mm. bread, but she makes it's sandwich bread. And it's really good. Okay. And it has a, it not a sweet bread, t- but because there's almond flour in it, um, it does have a very good flavor to it. It doesn't, gluten-free bread's never going to stand up. It's always going to disintegrate. It's just kind of, yeah. it is what it is. It doesn't have the binding nature, but it tastes good. So I would recommend that okay. for any of those. But, but you're not a fan of cauliflower crust? I'm not. See, I, I don't mind it. On pizza? So I That's think not your deal. Simple Mills, okay, I'm not, I'm not a brand ambassador for these companies, <laughs> just FYI. These are just the brands that I have to go to. But Simple Mills has a pizza dough and I think because I was exposed to that, cauliflower just doesn't, it has so much flavor versus cauliflower crust. I know you can kind of make it your own and it's a good vehicle for whatever top, because pizza is really about the toppings anyway. Uh, so if you have something to put it on, hey, who cares what it tastes like? I just think cauliflower, it doesn't, there's no taste to it mm-hmm. and I want flavor. And so I found another resource that you make and it's pretty good. <laughs> and it's gluten-free and healthy, so... Well- Okay, and so along those lines, just recently, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. you you really were fighting for your life, right? I was. And yeah. I don't know how much you want to get into this, but uh, what happened? So I I suffer from Crohn's disease, uh, which is a autoimmune type of disease, and my whole life I was healthy. When I moved to Texas, I seemed to have catch this autoimmune disease. I'm not blaming Texas, but I, you know, I don't know what happened. Mm. That was fine, but it's okay. How long ago did you move to Texas? Seven years ago. Okay. And two years ago, I ha- when you get sick with an autoimmune disease, it's called a flare and your body is attacking itself. And so think of a wildfire where there's a spark. You can't, if, once it set, gets ablaze, you can't really put it out mm. unless you have, you know, planes coming and dropping water. So, not knowing how to handle that disease, I just thought I would get better because I was a healthy person and I was sick. My body will just recover. And so I didn't reach out to my doctors like I should have. And I was at the point where my body was killing itself and um, ended up in the hospital actually twice in 2019 because of that. And I really had to take, you know, take inventory of my the stresses in my life because that seemed to be a trigger and then the food that I ate I would dabble in gluten um I kind of stayed away from it I was kind of paleo and I had to make the choice that okay now I really need to be strict with that and thankfully and this is really sad to say because 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people but for me from a health perspective it was one of those years where like I I thrived thankfully Mm -hmm. compared to the year before you figured it out I figured it out and, um, you know, I, right now I'm, I'm part of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation in Central Texas to be a voice to others that need a voice because it's a very isolating disease. And, um, you know, we're working now with legislation to help, you know, get funding for more research to find a cure. What's the name of the group uh, that you're a part of? The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Crohn's and Colitis, okay. Uh, so... Growing up and living in California, you obviously crossed paths with some celebrities. I did. Any of them in particular you care to to mention? Kobe Bryant. Mm. God rest his soul. I oh I so I lived in Corona del Mar for a period of time, and I would see him 
come in all the time to get his coffee. And they knew when his wife was pregnant because he started ordering decaf. Uh, <laughs> so I'd always see him and just we'd say hi. He was the sweetest. I mean, he is the sweetest person. Um, you know, very, very humble and put to himself and private, you know, not flashy at all. So that was always one. Um, I've met Shaq, who is, I'm 5'3". He's seven one. Mm. I helped uh, with his charity, one of his charity events. Um, Please tell me he's kid. as nice as he seems. He's so nice. I love. He's I, a big kid. Yes, that's I, what I love about him. I recently learned that if he's in a store, right? I, I didn't know this about him at all. Do you know where I'm going with this? If he's in a store and he overhears people debating a purchase that maybe costs too much for their budget. Or, or I, I, I know this one particular story where a young man was trying to buy an engagement ring and he wanted to pay some of it now and the rest of it later. And the guy behind the counter said, I can't do that. You know, you have to pay for it all now. And Shaq stepped up and paid for the guy's ring. And, and, and I believe it. He's done that for like a, um, I think there's another story where this uh, older lady was, um, I think gonna buy a chair or something like that, or I don't know. Anyway, he bought an entire set for her, like a living room set or whatever, but he's doing this over and over and over again. Seems like such a genuinely nice guy. No, he is. Uh, that's he's, he's a big kid at heart, but also you know wants to help other people mm-hmm. that are in need. And he is exactly, I mean, he's everything that you see in person. There's just, he's an amazing guy. And he was a great basketball player. I loved watching him play. I love the fun fact of him of, my gosh, I think you go back to 1983, 84. I have to look this up. But he's connected to every NBA Finals. There's somebody that's been in the NBA Finals that's awesome. every year for the last you know, almost 30 years Yeah, uh, that's connected, that, that played with Shaq. That's amazing. I uh, believe it. That is so cool. Um, biggest regret, and I don't think you're alone in this, not buying Bitcoin in March of 2020. Now, you are in the same boat with so many of us, but... Is there is there more to this story? Well, uh oh, what was the price of Bitcoin in March of twenty twenty? Three thousand, I think, and change. Okay. Oh. Okay. I bu- I have Bitcoin, but I bought it, you know, five or six years ago, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing Bitcoin at three thousand something, and I was like, oh, I should buy it. I'm like, but Trump's gonna win. I just was very confident, and I'm like, and th- monetary policy is gonna be strong. I mean, it's not gonna really. I don't see it spiking yet that much, you know, what an idiot I was. <laughs> and uh, then it started going up and I'm like, oh, I missed it. So <laughs> that is my biggest regret. And and everyone freaking out about crypto today. I just remind them it was three to four thousand dollars last year this time. So you're good if it's at thirty thousand. And you well, bought it then. Yeah. Yeah. No, hang on a second here. This is, this is I'm actually weird. kicking myself that I didn't buy it when it first started when it was I don't know, hundred bucks. Cause I had the opportunity to do that. And I was like, what is this coin? Bitcoin? <laughs> uh, Aaron, I'm going to make Shoulda, you coulda, woulda. Right. Aaron, I'm going to make you feel better about yourself. You ready? I'm ready. If you go back to uh, episode 46 of at the mic with Jeremy Grantham as my guest, uh, he tells a story of, he used to, and I hate to always bring this up, Jeremy, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I just try to make people feel better about about their missing opportunities. He he used to pay for uh, TV, uh, the pirated TV with Bitcoin. That's what the guy accepted. So when Jeremy got on the straight and narrow, 
That's what I'll call it. And started paying for it legitimately. He didn't need this Bitcoin anymore. And he had five or six Bitcoin. And he just, oh my he God. just cashed it out and said, I don't need this anymore. Oops. He's kicking himself. Yeah. Sorry, Jer- Jeremy. I love you. Sorry. He was a he was in the early stages of it. And... I'll try to stop bringing it up so often. Oh, man. That's got to hurt. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we're all in that boat. We're all in that boat. But hold on a second. Would you rather have not taken advantage of a price opportunity like Bitcoin or what if you had purchased it like there's there's several stories out there where somewhere in a landfill is a hard drive that oh, contains said Bitcoin I would much rather have just not pulled the trigger on buying it than as opposed to buying it and it's living somewhere underneath three tons of garbage I'm with you on that 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 like hurts me like that somebody had that stories. happen I do too I would never I would never sleep again no I would not either I just I I wouldn't be able to I'd have to accept that it, oh my gosh I, can't I would be digging through the trash yeah until I killed over and died and the thing is there's one guy in Britain he knows where the landfill is and if he could get access to the records I was reading the story I, I don't know if there's been an update it was a while back um if this guy could get access to the records of where they were dumping garbage on a particular day, he could go and find it. And he's offered to give them like a cut of this. I forget if it was 50-50 or what. Just let me go and look. No, we can't let you do that. That's insane. It'll, I, I forgot the reasoning, the excuse, but it was some stupid governmental excuse. And this poor guy can't even get access to the trash to find his Bitcoin. Isn't it like $21 million? Like the amount that's on that drive? It's a lot. Oh, yeah, my. it's up there. You're right. It, it, it obviously fluctuates depending on the price. But no. How knowing, crazy is this crypto, though? I mean. I, right. But knowing my luck, if I was that guy, I would find it. But it would be like the day after it had crashed. And it wasn't worth the dig anymore. Like, well, it was fun. Uh-huh. I, I love this goal, this bucket list goal of yours. You want to go to the moon. I do. And, and, and if we had this conversation a year ago, six months ago, something like that. It may have been silly to say that, but it's actually getting closer and closer. Do you think you will actually be a, a, a space tourist at some point? You? I, I think I will. Um, Doge to the moon. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. I believe in what he's doing. And he lives in Austin now, so I just got to, you know. No, but I, I think that there is going to, I think in the next... Mm, like 15 years we're going to be able to do trips commercial trips to the moon for people that want to sign me up to be the hostess or the you know the flight attendant i will serve drinks to whoever wants to go you like, just want to go up there i just want to go up there how. it's space you know like i that would be amazing i don't think i can go to i don't think i'll be able to go to mars because i'll be too old and i think you you know to get to mars there might be you know health requirements but i would love to go to the moon and I think that that is definitely in our future, probably in the next 15 years. And hopefully my Dogecoin will be the currency on the moon. So I can use that when I'm there. Boy, I... Or to get there. I need that to be real. Yes. Yes, please. Uh, all right. So uh, Aaron Zinger, have we covered everything? Or is there anything else out there that we need to discuss? I think we have. Where can people find you on the socials? I'm Reganette on Twitter. <laughs> find me there. Yes. I'm a big fan of Reagan. It's my California. Why, why is that? Tell me, tell me, what, what's your favorite thing about Ronald Reagan? You know, Reagan schooled the communists and he was an extreme liberal before he became a conservative. And you, you think about through, Thomas Sowell, same thing. They were, they were Marxists, Clarence Thomas, Marxists before they became conservative when they saw 
the inefficiencies of government and what was happening. And Reagan was so good at telling a story and connecting with people. Today, if you still listen to his radio addresses that were three minutes long from sure. the 70s, yep. they are so relevant today. Mm-hmm. Young kids could learn so much from hearing from him. And it's sad to see so many just communism rising um, across the world. I don't know what it was like during that time because I'm an 80s kid, but I can imagine it's probably pretty similar. And so he's always been my hero from a politics standpoint uh, on that end. And I'm gl- I'm grateful. I think because I was born in 81, I'm like, yeah, he was the president when I was born. So <laughs> Reganette on Twitter. Reganette and then on Twitter. Yeah, on Instagram, you're Aaron Zinger. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Different, different uh, theme, more politics on Twitter than Instagram. So you'll find more fitness stuff on Instagram. Gotcha. All right. Well, thanks so much for making time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Keith. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Aaron Zinger. And uh, coming up, it's going to be our second conversation today, Chance Foreman. So stick around for that. But first, if you've considered trying CBD but haven't quite made the commitment, perhaps gummies are right for you. If you struggle with anxiety or depression, maybe you need more restful sleep, CBD-infused gummies may be just the thing that you need. And keep in mind that they contain zero THC, so there's no high, there's no failed drug tests. There are so many options with CBD over at DrMonroe'sCBD.com. Be sure to use promo code Keith, K-E-I-T-H. They're going to give you 15% off your purchase. That's DrMonroe'sCBD.com. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Chance Foreman is my second guest this week on At The Mic. Chance is a co-worker of mine at The Blaze. He's a very talented artist who often uses duct tape as his medium. That's right. He's also created an iconic wall of nails and the likeness of Abraham Lincoln at The Blaze Studios, where he and I both work. He's just an amazing talent and a great guy. And he and I sat down to talk about art and so much more, including his interesting experiences as a photo print developer. We get into his experiences right now on At The Mic. So Chance Foreman here, uh, you are born and raised right here in the Dallas Metroplex, correct? Yeah, I was born up in Denton. So you, you were born in the shadow of North Texas University, effectively. Right. Right. Yeah. How long were you up there? Uh, so I, w- I was born in Denton. Uh, I assume I was there for two days, however long babies are in hospitals. Oh, um, so you were... Li- and then, <laughs> okay, got it. And then I, uh, I, <laughs> lived, my, I lived my life in, uh, in my, until I was 18, 17, 18. Your ch- uh, most people call that their childhood. Yeah, I okay. guess. So you grew up in you where? Were a child when you were 17? Oh in, in Alvord. Yeah. Uh, um, which is, you know, by, if you're familiar with Decatur, it's in Wise County. Yeah, so you're way out there. it's a very small town. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it out there. Oh, my gosh. It is so rural. There yeah. are hills. There. Uh, you get up on, bro, get up on uh, 287. On 287, there's some hills where you'll yeah. lose cell phone service. Where you, can, no, where you can look out and see rolling oh, hills. Okay. It's in the it's in LBJ grasslands. Okay, yeah. That's like it's all of Alvord is grasslands. Beautiful part of Texas, in my opinion. So don't dog it, man. As it wasn't dogging it. I was just saying there's not many hills. Geez. That's true. You weren't. I was being very sensitive to your hometown. <laughs> I guess so. Your graduating class, 42 people. Yeah, 42 just, people. Just for perspective, my graduating class in Marietta, Georgia, Metro Atlanta, was 599 
or 602. I don't know. I saw a transcript. I saw a list one time of all the people, you know, and, and that, that's just stuck with me. Obviously not perfectly. But I can't imagine uh, that small of a graduating class size, but I would love that. Was that good, bad, what? Uh, so it's all I ever knew when I hear, you know, when people would say, oh, my graduating class had 100 people. I was like, man, that's huge. <laughs> um, but yeah, I grew up with most of these people since kindergarten or you know, you get tired before. of seeing the same people for 18 years or whatever or is that uh like i said it's all i ever knew like until i went to college i was just like okay it, it's weird but the dating pool seems like it would be really tight yeah it's slim for sure yeah like did you date in high school yeah i mean not many people want to date me anyway true I mean, so that I, I, I mean, oh, my excuse was, oh, there's only 42 people to pick from. Oh my goodness, how'd you meet your wife? Uh, so, I guess that's that's going. Yeah, we can fast forward. I just wanted to know if she came out of that uh, size 42 dating no, pool there. No, so I ended up back in Denton at the okay. University of North Texas. Gotcha. Um, and met her through mutual friends who. Uh, she went to North Texas too, but we okay. we met after she graduated when she was in grad school. Well, now I'm just confused, quite frankly. Well, you're the one that sped this up. That's true. What did you major in at North Texas? Radio, television, film, with my focus was film. What did she uh, study? She, at University of North Texas, she studied, um, oh gosh. I mean, I mean, you're under pressure uh, now to come up with the answer. Oh gosh. Did you want me to edit this part out so it doesn't yeah. show how completely... Completely absent-minded you yeah, are. Yeah, you can edit wife. this out. What is it okay. called? Where? Um, Where what? Oh my god! I'm so not editing this. So out. she, <laughs> her <laughs> master's in, is in international relations. International relations was yeah. it business or something? No. Was it uh, uh, poli sci? Yes, thank Re you. Are you serious? I think it was political. I science. was just gonna go down all these things I could or imagine some, doing overseas. That could also be wrong. Okay. <laughs> but she got her. She got her. Uh, <laughs> Her international relations in okay. uh, Queensland, Australia. That's cool. Whoa! Yeah. So that I met her when she was like coming back and forth between Australia. I'm confused. So we what? just started. You're confused a lot already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you confuse me. Well, that's fair. I mean, let's be honest. You're you're an enigma. Wouldn't you agree? I would. Yeah, and and especially when it comes to your major was communications. A focus on TV, you said? No, a focus on film. Oh, let me say. Focus yeah, on for film. For listener. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but what did you want to do so compared I, to what you're doing now? How similar are they, if at all? So that's actually pretty similar. So I started, I went to, when I first went to college, I went to Texas A&M Commerce out in Commerce, Texas, East Texas. Um, and I was studying wildlife conservation. I wanted to be a zoologist. Oh, wow. Um, so you're a big fan of animals. And Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to do that. Got out there, and I everybody was just going to be like a farmer or whatever. It oh, was, no. It was that kind of And crowd. Chance was like, no. And I was like, this isn't what I want to do. And if I was smart and I really wanted to be a zoologist, I would have went to a different school that had a zoology program. How long were you out there before you realized, I got to get out of here? Uh, like three seconds, but I stayed two years. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So what did you, then you ended up going to North Texas? Then? So yeah, then I okay. went back to Decatur, just finished the rest of my basics and then went to, to UNT to, and I decided, you know what, I want to make films. Uh, maybe music videos was where I was interested. Oh, wow. Um, stuff like that. Do so they even make like, those anymore? 
music think, videos? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay. Yeah, they're actually pretty cool now. But Oh, well, I'll have to do some searching around. So you are known in this building as the duct tape guy, duct tape artist. Yeah. Uh, it's... Your work is seriously incredible, Chance, and it lines like the upstairs hallway. There's all these pictures you've done. Which is your favorite picture in this building that that I would be familiar with? I'm gonna, you know, s- sneak peek here. I'm gonna take your picture in front of for the thumbnail for this podcast. Which one would you have me uh, take a picture of you in front of? So I did the ones in this building about seven years ago, and I don't. Care for any of them? You really? Yeah. Uh, list the names because the they're awesome. Quite a bit. Okay, go through the list here. You got Johnny Carson's up there. Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, Desi Arnaz. Desi Arnaz. There was a Bill Cosby. I was about to say, where's the Bill Cosby now? I think uh, Chuck, another guy we work with, took it home. Oh no. Which? Yeah. I'm having a brain fart too. Um, that's why I asked you. Well. Bob Hope's up there. Bob Hope. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, man, I can pick uh, Orson Welles is up there. Yeah. Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball, yeah. That's a yeah. good one. So there were 10. Okay. And then I have Abraham Lincoln. It's made out of nails in Glenn's office. So you made that. That's where we got to get a picture. Yeah. You made this incredible, huge wall size art of nails of Abraham Lincoln. It's in Glenn's office. The cool thing about that is there's a closet behind yeah. there and yeah. I just love going in there and seeing all the nails sticking yeah. through. Maybe that's where I'll get your it's picture crazy, yeah. in front of the nails. But when in your life did you say to yourself, I want to do art? Because that's so unique, man. I've never seen artwork from duct tape, which is, you know, colored duct tape is to me kind of a relatively new phenomenon. You know, it, it used to just be silver, you know, and then, right. they, then you got crazy with black. And now there's all these radical colors. You go to a Walmart, it's a color wheel standing in front of you. Yeah. Uh, when did you go, oh my gosh. So that's two questions then. When did you realize you wanted to do art stuff and had a gift? And when did you start doing the duct tape art? I liked art the whole time growing up. My brother was a, a great illustrator. He's a graphic designer now. Um, and I kind of, I always copied him and, I, and art has always fascinated me. Uh, I was a, a doodler, still am. If you see me in a meeting, I'm doodling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all are, but, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, yours are good, but I think we all are. <laughs> uh, that's another thing I wanted to be. I wanted to be a zoologist and an artist. And when I was in commerce, I, like I said, I hated it. I was in my dorm room all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just, I started working on art. Nothing I, nothing to that point I had I kept. It was all just, you know, doodle. All right, whatever, throw it away. Uh, stuff like that. And no offense to Commerce, Texas. I can't imagine it's a hopping town. Is there a lot going on there? Like, what Absolutely would, not. What, I, I what thought would it would be do? fine because I came from a small town, oh, going yeah. to a small town, and it was different for me when it wasn't your own. Like, what, what would you do in Commerce, Texas uh, when you weren't in class or doodling? Like I said, I stayed in my dorm room a lot, <laughs> or I went to uh, Greenville, Texas to look for Ooh, like music. to the, the big town. There was a Hastings over there, and I got CDs or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah, so up until that point, I hadn't done anything that I kept, and I, I drew this picture on a piece of cardboard. It was like a, a backing of a poster or something like that. And I drew this picture of an old man, and I didn't have paint with me. Uh, I turned around, and I had silver duct tape, so I uh, kind of filled him in with silver duct tape, and at some point, I went back and did black paint around the silver duct tape. 
and I titled that piece Old Man. And so I still have that one. Oh, cool. You know, I was like, this is this is pretty interesting. And uh, my <laughs> I had been doing some other stuff. I, I messed around with painting. Um, and my grandma saw that piece and she was like, oh, I want that. So I gave it to her. Mm. And she called me one day randomly and was just like, so make me a, a JFK out of duct tape. And at that point, I went to the store and got some duct tape. And they that's when I found out they had different colors. Oh, wow. So at that point, they had so, you know black and white and then a couple of other colors. Like I used yellow for his background. Oh, wow. So it was a request from your grandmother. Yes. yes. That set you down this path of duct tape art. Right. How many of those kind of, uh, I don't want to call them paintings, have you done with just strictly duct tape, do you think? Oh, uh, probably over 50. Okay. And... At your house, how much of your art is hanging inside your house? Uh, and if you've got this many paintings going on, how do you store them all? So I think I have one piece that I did of my brother uh, that's actually hanging visibly. And then I have a just a spare room that's my art room. And I've got six of them up on the wall, mm -hmm. mainly just for storage. Yeah. And then I've got a pretty big walk-in closet in that room that has probably 15 maybe okay and the rest of them have sold or nice you know, given away or whatever so how do you go about selling them yeah, social media is the, really is the best yeah but i'll get companies have reached out to me duck uh duck brand duct tape has i used to be sponsored by them oh wow and so i've done several for their headquarters and that uh, is cool, places man. Places like that. By the way, check out your work, um, chanceformanart.com, right? And then also on Instagram, chanceformanart. That's right. Uh, so check out his stuff because, so people listening right now could go there and conceivably find something they want to purchase from you. Yes. Well, how much does it cost yes. to ship something like that, dude? Uh, a lot of money. Uh, well, actually, I shipped one a couple months ago and it was only like 200 bucks and it was a, it was a big piece. But the so I I do the duct tape and then I pour epoxy resin over top to seal it, and uh, that adds a okay. lot of weight to it. Oh man, so, easier yeah. just to pick it up here in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you and Sarah are relatively—that's your wife—new parents. How? But time flies. Tell me, how old is your daughter right now? She is like right at two and a half. Oh my gosh! I said, see. It, time does fly. Do you find, as most parents do, this one included, you have a lot less time to focus on things like artwork and, and hobbies? Uh, absolutely. With a young child. It's yeah. it's so difficult. Yeah. I think since she's been born, I've made maybe four pieces, and it takes... I've got one piece sitting there that has that I haven't touched in a month. Right. Man. It's Well, it's, here's what you do. You get a little, like a little Tykes easel I've something. Okay. And you put it next to you and let her do her yeah. thing. How long does it keep her occupied? Like three seconds? So she is actually really interested in it. Okay. And so every time I bring out, I have a milk crate full of, you know, the open tape that I use. And I bring that out next to my easel and I start going to work. And then she comes over and she wants to take the tape too. And so I say, all right, well, here's your tape. You put it on your easel. That doesn't work. She wants to sit in my lap and <laughs> oh, do it yeah. on the piece. <laughs> and I will say, a few pieces that she's stuck, I've let stay. Okay. And so I've got a it's little help. It's a helper. collaborative it's, effort. Yeah, it slows down the process, but it's <laughs> it's fun. Uh, 
back in the day, you worked uh, in a fireworks warehouse and a fireworks stand. Um, that has to be interesting. No? What's the markup on fireworks, man? Uh, you know, I don't know. I wasn't on that. I was more of a uh, get it out of the, so they have the shipping containers. Uh-huh. And it's in, you know, June, July here in Texas where it's 100 degrees outside. And then you get in these shipping containers, which hold the boxes of fireworks, and it gets up to like 120 in there. Oh, my. And so they had a rule, you know, like, don't stay in there longer than 10 minutes. Rotate with everyone. Uh-huh. And it, I mean, dude, I almost passed out several times. Yeah. So you, you do that. And so the warehouse was all the fireworks stands around Wise County would come to us and they would say, all right, this is our order. We want these for our fireworks stands. So we would, you know, sort that out to go to the different fireworks stands. And the people that I worked for had their own fireworks stand too. Mm. So we ended up going from the warehouse and then I can't remember the date, but whenever you're allowed to start selling fireworks, we moved to the stand. Okay. And after all that, we would get deals on these fireworks. So I bought a box of artillery shells. <laughs> My you're, brother and I uh-huh. decided, you know, the tubes that you shoot it out of. Sure. We cut open all the artillery shells, dumped all the powder into two of these tubes. So they're like, <laughs> oh no, bro. It's probably two feet long. Oh, we no. filled it up, ran a fuse all the way down, duct taped it up. Is it laying down at this point or aimed up? Uh, I think we laid it down. Yes, we laid it down because when we lit it, mm-hmm. so we went on the back roads, lit it, laid it down. And we're like, oh, this is just going to be this big explosion. Well, it blew out both ends, which were facing the sides of the road. Where were you guys positioned? Like behind a truck or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We parked the truck in the middle of the road because nobody's driving down. Right. Um, light it, run behind the truck in the back and watch it go. And it did. It blew up and it was pretty cool, but it caught both sides of this field on fire. No, dude. Yeah. And so, <laughs> bro. And so we start chasing it down, chasing the fire down, <laughs> take off our shirts and we're beating it. And it's just running because, I mean, this is July or August oh, at this point. Oh, no. And uh, we didn't get How it old all. were you? 18. 18. Old enough to know better. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And how long did this fire rage? Well, we called the fire department. Oh, um, and no. it, it ended up not being too bad. It caught both sides of the field on fire, but it was like, you know, I guess they got, it's a volunteer fire department out there. I could just see you probably took one field, one side of the road, right? No, well, and it caught, one side was more trees, so that kind of stopped, the, the trees caught on fire, and it was like, okay, good, you're going to you're gonna be there for a little bit. <laughs> At least you're going to be there. The other side was like, I mean, it was just running, man. Like, we were chasing it, and it was just going, and we were so, beating it with our shirts. But. Yeah, um... So here's my question. You're out in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. Thank God you had a cell phone signal to call the fire department. Yeah, or was that a challenge? Uh, we still had a signal out there. But okay. we, I think we called once we got home. Like, we cleared the scene. And home was, like, two minutes away. Right. So called. We were like, all right, whatever. Took our showers. And then uh, later, I was going out to a friend's that. I had to drive down that road, and this is hours later. So I drive down the road, and I look, and one of these trees still has a little flame inside of it, just oh. going. And I was like, "This fire department it's clearly volunteer," uh, but you know, it <laughs> did. What did you did you did you stop the the vehicle and get out and spit on it? Or oh it yeah, I mean, I made sure it was out. No, I just drove past. 
I was like, ooh, somebody, somebody started a fire out here. I don't know who that was. Wait, they never found out it was you? No. When you call the fire department, they don't go... They were probably excited to do something. Oh my gosh, bro. You might... or, the, or they probably knew it was, you know, <laughs> everybody in this town knows everybody. So like, I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble here. Cold case. Y'all need to now, get on that. Just... Yeah. Chance Foreman, <laughs> Wise County. Get on that. Oh my goodness. So when you worked at the fireworks stand... What's the most coin somebody dropped on fireworks in one purchase? Uh, How much money are we talking? I never saw anything crazy. Really? Yeah. It seems like a lot of people just go nuts. Just not on your watch. Huh? Yeah, not on not okay. on mine. But my sister worked there with us too. She clearly didn't know the fireworks very well. And somebody was like, you know, I, I, I want to get some fireworks, but I have a lot of trees. I don't want anything that goes up in the air. I want something that stays on the ground. And so she points them to these like Saturn rockets or Saturn something in the name should have been a says, giveaway yeah clearly says Outer hey this space. is gonna go up in the air <laughs> <laughs> and this, so they buy it walk away and somehow we're talking about it she's like yeah they want something that stays on the ground so I gave them this and we're like that's the one thing that shoots like 50 things up in the air at once oh no so I wonder what their 4th of July was like I was gonna say you come back the next day and those fireworks stands are gone like they're cleared out. Yeah. They're like, have a happy fourth. Don't be coming back here. Yeah. We'll it's, see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you uh, at Memorial Day or right. whatever. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that this fireworks job, uh, you had some extreme heat conditions. That's understandable. Warehouse, summer, Texas. But the flip side is you've worked a very cold job at a Walmart dairy case, right? What, like, do you stay in there all day doing stuff or what? Yeah, so just, you know, behind where How you, cold does it get? Yeah. I think they keep it at like 38. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, So man. it's just like a refrigerator. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, when I was a kid, I was just fascinated. Whenever you would see someone back there behind the milk, you're thinking, that's got to be the coolest job, no pun intended, in the world. I would love to be back there, you know. And it is. It is, huh? It's so cool. Why? No. It's... Really? It's nothing. You're... <laughs> it, it's boring. It's very boring. And cold. It's boring and cold. Well, that's yeah, not you just fun. gotta wear these big jackets and that yeah, seems whatever. kind of irritating. Yeah. Yeah. So then you go outside in the summer and it's 120 degrees or whatever. And yeah, it's kind of like working here. You walk in True. and True. it's it's July. It's 100 degrees mm -hmm. and you're wearing a jacket and people are looking at you weird. <laughs> but when you come in here and you go in the studio, it's you're 60 like, degrees. Thank goodness I have this jacket with me. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about your stint at the Walmart Photo Lab. Um, some interesting pictures come in there for developing? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> at, at the Photo Lab, there's a, a no-nudes policy. <laughs> and uh, people don't know that. <laughs> I guess, so I don't, I don't know what people expect when you're getting your film developed. If you just put it in the machine and it spits it out and in a package and you just come and pick it up. But we, so you put it through the developer. Because you have to check it to make sure that it's in good quality and, and you're not. Right. And we're not just selling me a, a blank. Exactly. Photo. Yeah. So. Oh, no. You, and this was back when disposable cameras were, mm -hmm. you know, everywhere. And so people would come in, you put it through the developer, you grab the film, put it through this computer that reads it and pops it up on the screen. So you're seeing these images and you oh, say, boy. oh, let's bring up the light on this. Let's. Oh, I see. That when you accidentally took a photo of your, you mm -hmm. know, foot. Or whatever. How 
How long are these images stored on the Walmart Photo Lab computers? So I don't think it's actually stored. Okay. At, at this time, it wasn't stored gotcha. on the computer. It was just to see it, mm -hmm. print it, and then go. And so you, you've you've had some interesting. I've had some interesting ones. What's the, um, what's the craziest uh, photo you've had to develop, and then tell me about the fallout from that. So police would come with crime scenes, and most of the time they would let you know, "Hey, we're with the police. This is." Crime scene photos. Hold on a second. Which, yeah, why do they come? Why the don't they have their own? The police don't have their own photo lab. You, you think of. Think, let's think this digital through. Digital cameras were around. Right, too. but let's think this through. If there's evidence there, why are you taking it to a what? It, yeah, strange. That is madness. I'm sure that's uh, changed now. So the police would bring photos from a crime scene with some gruesome stuff in there, or. Like where where was this uh, Walmart that you worked at? What kind of this city? was Indicator? Okay, I mean so, it's still kind. Of, I mean it's a bigger town, but it's, it's still yeah. rural. Yeah. Um. So, I th only one time was there something like you know uh -huh. a body or something like that. But I can't imagine that in a in a big city. You know. No, I I assume bigger cities probably okay. have a different method. That, okay. Yeah. Um, I do have a vivid memory of. <laughs> Some of the nudes that came in, though. Wait, nudes plural, like yes. multiple times this yep. happened. One was a full reel of, of <laughs> and it's never the the good, the good looking, the ones that <laughs> this you're is like, a, yeah. Uh, this is a family show, by the way. Just, <laughs> well, uh, sorry, just so you know, no, no, tell no. me that now. No, no, no. I'm just saying, uh, uh, careful how you describe. No, what I'm, came not gonna the go <laughs> I'm not going to go into detail. I'm not going to go into detail. you're right. So it was never anybody that you're like, wow, check that out. Yeah. It well, was we more like, like, check that out, but it was more like, <laughs> it, it was more like, oh, check this uh, out. Yeah. And, and so, you know, some would come through, but the, we have these file cabinets that keep the photos in. Right. And, and once in a while we would go through and be like, okay, this person hasn't picked this up in a year. Let's mm -hmm. get rid of these. This person has picked up two years, whatever. Um, and I'm going through one and it's panoramics. So these are like the longer yeah, I know what you mean. You, yeah, you would yeah, think they would be used for nature shots. Well, oh no, oh no. Um, oh, there was one. There was one that was just a close up of hmm? of a man. <laughs> there you go. And well uh, said. And that's the one that stuck with me. Um, and it was a. Where do you want to go from here? Panoramic <laughs> shot. I don't know where I want to go from here. Uh, yeah, uh, hide somewhere. So what happens when the like do you do you have like a special sticker that you would put on these envelopes so when that customer comes do you have to have a heart to heart? So what we probably should have said is just when when they come to pick it up just say, "Hey, sorry, you know, we can't print the the nude ones." But what we like to do is write on the envelope, "No nudes" really big and highlight it so that maybe if there's a line other people see it and know that <laughs> oh, something's going on with these people. But, and then you had some people that would say, how do I get these printed? You know, they really, whether they... NMP, not my problem. They thought they were... But there was a way you could do. So this was the one hour. Huh. And then there's one where it, you drop it in the box and it sends out and it's like a couple day or whatever. Mm. And it goes somewhere else. Someone would come oh, pick the them up the good old days when, when you would take a picture and literally have to wait for the mail. Yeah. Before you got your right. And so they would come back and pick like. those up. And I was just like, man, if you... If you have to have these, put them in there. We don't see them. I don't know what their rule is wherever these things go. Give that a try. And they would. How often 
do you get nudes coming through uh, for developing? It, it wasn't too often. Okay. I think it happened maybe three times. How long were you doing that? I did that for maybe a year. Okay. Um, maybe a year and a half or something mm-hmm. like that. That was when I first went to college. Huh. <sighs> Let's switch gears big time here. Good. Raffi. Oh, what parent doesn't have to listen to Raffi tunes? I bet right now me just saying his name has put a song in your head and you're welcome. Yes. So I listen to Raffi every Sunday. <laughs> uh, I go to see my parents in Alvord, and it's about an hour and a half drive. Okay. And I'll take Lulu. My wife's doing classes right now for like a some deal. Anyway, so I have to take Lulu to go see my parents to get out of the house so Sarah can do her class. Sure. And we have to put on this Raffi live deal that was taped back in, you know, the 90s or whatever. <laughs> and I I act like I hate it, but I think I love it. Oh, no. I th- it's sad. Yeah. I think we all get to that breaking point. It's like, it's like psychological torture, and then eventually you're just assimilated. But here's a, here's, a, here's a fun tip for you, especially as she gets older, your daughter. Um, I made... I don't know how easy this would be. I guess it would be easy. Yeah, I guess you could make like a playlist on like a Spotify or iTunes or something like that where I would just do like every other track or I'd do two kids songs and then a couple of adult songs. Kids song. Obviously, you're not going to play like death metal as your adult song, but something that is for you right? that they would enjoy as well. So, yeah, I do a lot of uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Okay. In fact, she makes me sing to her at night and... Wait, did you say and young? Well, now yeah. that's, I can't. No. I know you don't like Neil Young. Stop. That. It's gonna get worse. <laughs> um, but at at night, so she'll, I'll I'll put her down, say good night, and she'll say, you know, twinkle twinkle little star, which means she wants me to sing to her. So I'll go and be like, okay, I'll go sing to you on the monitor. You know, the baby monitor. I can talk to her through there. That's sweet. And so I'll sing twinkle twinkle little star and hope that does it. Yeah. And she knows my routine because I'm not, a, uh, clearly my voice is not good. And so she <laughs> she knows my playlist of songs that I know and that I'm willing to sing. Uh huh. And so it goes, twinkle, twinkle, little star. I hope that one does it for her. Yeah. I try to stop and it doesn't. And she, like I said, she knows my playlist. So the next song is 4 and 20 by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Uh, okay. Stephen Stills. Cool. So she's already knowing some. Yeah. Some... I mean, it's probably not a song that I want her, like the end is... <laughs> want my life to simply cease and you know there's it's she understands the words but but it's like a good kind of relaxing somber song and so she says you know when twinkle twinkle little star doesn't do it she says four and twenty four and twenty four and twenty and last night oh my gosh okay She's just, just wouldn't stop screaming four and twenty four and twenty four okay real quick before I forget um all right for now by Tom Petty okay that'll work for you good so okay you're not writing it down. Well, I can remember that. All right for now. All right for now. Tom Petty. Gotcha. I'm going to wait while you say it seven times so you'll remember. Just kidding. So did you ever, because I remember when she was born, she had a tough time sleeping. It sounds like there's still kind of some struggles there. Um, did you ever use the Ferber method that I told you about? So yes, for like probably two days. Hmm. But yeah, you. So you and I talked about the Ferber method for a long yeah. time, and it was like, so you go in. Yeah. For those that don't know, give them fifteen. Yeah, you let them cry uh-huh. for like um, 
uh, one minute or whatever it is. I don't know. It's on the internet. Look it up. The Ferber method. And then you go in and you put your hand under their head and you soothe them and then you slowly pull your hand out and then you leave. And then, then if they start crying again, you let them cry for two minutes and you go in and repeat. And then five, 10, 15. And eventually they're like, ah, I'll fall asleep. You're probably not going to come back anytime soon now. And eventually, man, they just sleep through the night. I'm telling you, work like a charm on my kids so much so that my teenage son now is the deepest sleeper who sleeps the entire morning away if you lit him. Are you still are you still soothing him? We dropped oh. the Ferber method like last week. He's 15 <laughs> and Good. finally is working. I just wondered if, if you ever used that, if it ever worked for you. Uh, so we, we tried it because we really were struggling for yeah. a little while. And I was like, anything, I'll even take Keith's advice on this. <laughs> and uh, probably the only time you had exactly, and it didn't stick just for two days. What do you mean? What happened? Because it something clicked. Oh, and it she just started doing it. Maybe it just worked. Maybe it worked. Or maybe, maybe she was like, maybe it was a short term fix because now she's begging for four and twenty. Yeah. So she's been two years. She's been a pretty good sleeper. That's really good to hear. I was just looking up here. Um, I thought it was Stephen Kent, a previous episode here of At the Mic. Um, had the same answer as you uh, going back in time to meet someone, Steve Irwin. He yeah. seems like he'd be a lot of fun, man. Yeah. I'd probably just stay in the truck and watch him interact with the wild animals. Yeah. But uh, that, man, just a, just a happy soul that we could really use in 2021 America right now on our TVs. Yeah, I agree. And his, his family's still going strong. Yeah, doing, that's true. Kind of carrying out his legacy and their... Uh, they're doing great. His son is like 16 or something like Good that. Night. And he's already doing the same stuff. Where are those shows available? I think they do it on like Discovery or something. Okay. I, I don't I actually gotta, watch the catch shows. Up with but see what they're up to. Yeah. I just, I follow them on social media, but. Okay. I need to re-familiarize myself with the Irwin family. Another one you would like to meet. I love this. This makes sense. Uh, Vincent Van Gogh. What, what what would you what would you say to him? I you know I think I would more like to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. Um, and see what he was really like because there's you know you don't know if he had mental issues or, I mean I think you do know that he had mental issues but, uh, I would like to see how <laughs> how that played out and really how his how, how his death his... played out too. Oh. Okay. Uh, I know that's not the best part of meeting someone but mm-hmm. I, I just kind of want to be a fly on the wall of his life. Yeah, you're curious. Yeah, is it fair to say that as far as artists go, is he the upper echelon of Chance Foreman artists? Yeah, or? I would say, I would say he's definitely a. I like a lot of impressionists. Um, I think he would definitely be my favorite. Okay, and don't take this the wrong way. Actually, take it the right way. I'm not a big fan of most art. Yeah. But I am sincerely a fan of the stuff that I've seen you do that's on display in this building. So, knowing my taste is definitely along the lines of Chance Foreman, who is a more famous type artist out there that, you know, you might go see their stuff at a gallery or something like that, that you think that I would like if I dig the stuff that you do, Chance? Um, so, a lot of the stuff here, it's uh, it's pop art. It's, you know, it's very... Pop culture type? Is that what that means? Yeah. It's, okay. You know, it's uh, bright colors. Yeah. Kind of uh, like... Uh, not quite vector images, but, you know, there's in, in the pieces up here, it's, I think, four colors a piece, you know, three colors on the skin tone and stuff like that, and then a background color. 
Um, I'm going to have to take, by the way, uh, I'm going to take pictures. I've got to remember to do this. I'm going to take pictures of your art. And when this episode drops, I'm going to tweet out pictures so that people can see what we're talking about. Is, is, are these images available at chanceformanart.com as well? Yeah. Okay. And if you're doing me a favor, I would choose some of my newer ones because, like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of these anymore. Um, but I, so I would say, you know, Warhol is someone that's it's closer to this. Uh, you know, his screen prints are are kind of along the lines of these uh, pop art styles that are here. Um, my newer style still has pop art because I'm using duct tape and it's brighter colors. But I I've gotten much more detailed, so it kind of uh, it kind of has an impressionist look to it i've definitely tried to steal because van gogh's pieces you can see his brush strokes uh-huh and i've tried to implement that with pieces of tape how do you do that just rip tiny i mean okay tiny oh. pieces of tape yeah. and really small you ever wear out your fingers trying yeah. to tear that stuff yeah perfectly yeah. you ever use scissors or a no. razor blade or anything like no. that no no man I, I i like the i like the texture it gives with with ripping with your uh-huh with your hands. I'm not going for perfectly clean lines. How do you think it would translate your art, your duct tape art on like t-shirts? I bet you should try you should try something like that. Like to just to okay, take so a photo and then take print a photo it. of your favorite duct tape art. Yeah. Go to whatever these websites are like, you know, you can just Google make my own t-shirt. Yeah. Upload that image. Just do it one time and see how it translates and I think it would look like a painting cuz when you look at my pieces you can't tell that it's duct tape. Mm. It you know most people think it's it's heavy acrylic or something. Really, like that I wonder if I would have had it. that if I hadn't known from the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. knew from from the first moment that they were duct tape. I wonder yeah. if if I had uh, not known they were. It may be different with these here. Yeah, because um, you're not happy with them. But well, <laughs> and and because it's because it's I'm using much bigger strips of duct tape here. Okay. And it's So it's a lot different now then, huh? It's yeah. I got to see some of this other stuff. Yeah, okay. it, it's a lot it's a lot smaller and um it definitely looks like tape. And plus most people are like not thinking they have these certain colors in duct tape. You can get pretty close to skin tone. Wow. Um I'm going to have to really check out your new yeah. stuff. So I mean this is a perfect comfort food. Chips and salsa. I think everybody really is like that cuz man when you're sitting at the Mexican restaurant table who doesn't love chips and salsa i mean you end up eating filling up before the meal gets to your table right love and then you stuff. have you have dinner and then you have yeah and or, then, or which is a big snack. filling dinner oh yeah yeah um i can't do spice though man you can't i can't oh, do I spice spice i gotta always i'm always always the mild one when there's mild medium hot in the store or something i gotta do mild so i'm i i go medium i can do hot but there's not enough flavor there then it's just too hot for me which some people probably you know can handle it but mm -hmm. i'm more of a medium but yeah i mean growing up that's what i lived off of, and i kind of still do because my mom didn't cook my dad didn't really Cook. When she did cook, it was spaghetti. We'd have spaghetti like three nights a week, and yeah. the rest it was like fend for yourself, make a sandwich. Yeah. Or I would just go. You learned some and life salsa. skills, huh? No. No. I would just go with chips and salsa. Oh. Okay. I would just. I would just not. Learn. It is. A, it is an easy meal. I mean, you open a bag. Is it healthy? You reach in, and then I mean, the hard part is I gotta go and open the salsa and pour that into a bowl, right? So you know what? <laughs> that's that's the appropriate way to do it, right? You get a ramekin. Yeah. 
small bowl or whatever, yep. and you pour the salsa in. Yeah. My wife what? prefers to go straight out of the jar. Now, come on, what? The chip doesn't even fit in there, first of all. Right, and then you get little, break off little crumbs in there. And you get the salsa all over your hand once it once it gets How big of low. a jar, what is she Not use? big, that's, she does have, she's have a small person. Have you had a talk with her? Yes. This is unacceptable. It is. This is like, Thank you. this you need an intervention. This is wrong on so many levels. Absolutely. Like, it, I mean, are you, Sarah, come, hey, Sarah. <clears throat> are you an animal? Can we clip this so oh. I can take it to her? Oh, of course. Well, yes. I'll, I'll provide whatever you need. Okay, so, Sarah, what you're doing is you're taking this chip. By the way, I've never met her. Could she kick my butt? No. Okay, good. Oof, scared me there for a second. I didn't know what kind of road I was going down. So, you're taking the chip, trying to jam it into a jar that the chip doesn't fit in, getting crumbs everywhere, getting it on your hand like you said, I mean, does she just hate washing dishes? I mean, would you offer to wash the bowl if she would use it? We have a dishwasher. You just put it in there. Right. Or just put it in the sink, and it'll get washed eventually. I don't understand this at all. I... And not only that, like, after you use the salsa, right, and you Mm -hmm. screw it back on, you put it in, it's going to get this crust and stuff, you know? Now you're risking that being part of your experience. Yeah. This this makes no sense at all. It's maddening. So what what if... Does she double dip, too? No, her her thing is also she'll probably have like three chips and be like, okay, I'm good. Where I'm finishing a bag. Yeah. Um, but we have moved to these, like there's these plastic ones that are like ramek and like a small bowl size already uh-huh. and the lid comes off and that that's okay to a little use bit wider. the... Yeah, that one you can just go straight out of okay. the deal. Because if you, if you lose it, if you break a chip in there, you can scoop it right out without, right. you know having to reach into a jar. Is your wife an only child? No, she hmm. also has two older siblings, uh, two older brothers. I just don't know where the disconnect is there. I don't. I've got to talk to them about it I and could see. almost expect that from an only child, which I am, because sometimes... That explains you, a lot. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes, it does. But even I don't do that. I don't know. I'll, 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 it's crazy. Yeah. I love this. The last book you read was Breath by James Nestor. Uh, about the science of nose breathing. What is the science of nose breathing and why should I care? So th- this James James Nestor um, just researches, you know, goes back and studies skulls from, you know, centuries ago in, I think it's in Italy or something like that, and where they have these, like, bunkers of, uh, like, skeletons and stuff like that. Oh and he's studying skulls and how they're shaped differently and, uh, and there's a lot to it. I'm just kind of giving you yeah, one, sure. one example. But he he studies these skulls and finds out their, you know, their palates are different um, inside their mouth. I think it's more more flat and where our, ours are higher. Mm. And so they kind of went back and they were like, okay, what were people eating there? They were eating harder things, nuts and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And it, you know, it's changed their teeth structure their mouth structure and all this stuff. So anyway, somehow all that leads back to breathing in your mouth, breathing in your nose. Hmm. Um, so he, he does this study with some other dude and they uh, tape their mouth, tape their nose closed for a week. So they're only bringing, breathing out their mouth. And he said he, he just feels awful this whole week. And he's, he's doing it. They're, you know, 
writing down certain stuff. And then the next week, they taped their mouth closed and all the breathe out of their nose. Said he felt amazing. Um, and then and both of these guys are doing it. Felt incredible. So, and, the, and then they do all these studies with athletes about, you know, breathing out of your nose. There's There's one story where it's like, can't remember if it was a runner or a bicyclist or something like that, but they, this coach, knew about this science of of nose breathing and and got that, you know, started coaching them on this, and it uh, like shot them up in the ratings of whatever sport they're in. I mean, mm-hmm. This is a terrible synopsis of the sure of the it book. is, but it's still fascinating. But anyway, so and one thing they try to do is at at night I'm a mouth breather. Oh. And so at night they would say, you know, put a little strip of tape from, you know, vertically from your nose. Gosh, that would freak down. me out. Yeah, not but enough I, to I where understand. like you yeah. can't get it off, right, but right. um, just where it wants it. So I tried this for a couple nights, and my wife was like, "What are you doing?" Well, hold on a second. Like me, you have a beard and mustache. Yeah, it so was difficult. It was. <laughs> it was <laughs> like what kind of tape did you use, man? Duct tape. Oh, how um, how are the mornings? It, it didn't last. Uh, I tried okay. this for a week, uh-huh. and I I'm so upset because after reading this book, you wanted to do the nose. I was thing. like, this is incredible. And in, in the book, it's like throughout the day, try to make sure you're breathing through your nose and just see how much how much better you feel. And right now, it's very difficult with allergies in Texas. Oh yeah, but um, so I I tried it for a week, and I was super excited because it really does like I could tell I'll. I'll work on it. Breathing in my nose. Just don't breathe in your mouth at all. I'm trying it right now while you're talking to me. I don't know if you've noticed. I've closed my mouth and I'm just breathing through my nose while you're babbling. It it feels more natural and apparently it is. Um, I wish I wrote this down because I can't remember most of the book at this point. I just know that nose breathing good, mouth breathing bad. Um, <laughs> but but it was it was incredible and anyway you're riding up a hill on a bike you start <gasps> yeah uh, like panting out of your mouth and if you if you try to just slow your breathing down and only do it through your nose you get so much more it's cuz i guess your nose hairs filter the air a little bit better huh. and stuff like that and i can't stand these bicyclists man that just like literally and then they travel in packs like wild animals and they clog the entire road they block traffic. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. It's and there's a lot of them around here too. Oh. Have you noticed that? Oh uh, yeah. I was just last weekend. I was driving down the road and I was you know slightly annoyed by the one guy in front of me, but I wasn't gonna have to be on this road very long at all. So I was just like, whatever. I've got about you know an eighth of a mile. I'm almost there. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes a pack of like, and I tweeted this out. A pack of like 20 bicyclists on this road in the other direction. And I'm looking at the cars behind them like, oh my gosh. I mean, that is like, for me, staring into the face of hell and having it just pedal toward me. Uh, what is the, why, I don't understand why they choose the most traveled roads. I could almost understand, let's go to, let's go to your hometown. You know, let's go out in the country or something like that. If you want to go and travel together and clog roads together, then go out in the middle of... Why are you in the middle of an urban center? You don't have to be right here. I I agree. And I've... Back in Denton, I rode my bike everywhere. Right. Never in the middle of the road. I was always on the shoulder. It. I don't understand the what you're thinking when you can look behind yourself and see a line of cars and just be okay with it. Absolutely the fact that no you know you're common going courtesy. Five miles an hour. 
I was, when I went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, I rode my bike everywhere throughout Lincoln, Nebraska. And I rode on the sidewalk, okay? I did not ever get close to old ladies or anything like that. The, the, the sidewalks were wide enough that you don't, you're not even going to scare someone that you're approaching, okay? And then the last year I was there, they made it illegal to ride your bike on the sidewalk, and you literally had to bike in the road. I don't want to bike in the road, period. It just, uh, there's got to be a better way. And I know, I hear it now. Bike lanes, bike lanes. Fine. That's great. Let's do bike lanes. If you want to build these roads or adjust them, whatever, make your bike lanes. But then, bicyclist, that's your lane. Right. That's, that is that's the bike lane. And then there's a car lane. Respect the bike lane. Use the roads that allow for the bike lane and stop with the, I'm just soapbox, man. I can't. Sorry. (laughs) I'm right there with you. I get it. (sighs) Okay. Um, Tell me about your parents, man. Uh, So my parents grew up in Alvord as well. Mm -hmm. They were in the same class and theirs was a class of 12. Oh, wow. So, so. The town obviously grew yeah. uh, over the course and of their life. It's grown a, a little bit more. I asked my mom the other day. She's a, a counselor at the school. And I asked her what the size of the classes were now. And she said somewhere around 50. So it's, you know, Ooh. I graduated in 2006. So it's it's grown just a, a little bit. But it's, I mean, it's. I, I mean, there's nothing for me. There's nothing like a small town just like that. I love it. I absolutely love it. Like you get outside. I just talked about Lincoln, Nebraska. You get to some of these towns just outside that. You get outside of Decatur, which, which yeah. we talked about, is the big town around there. Yeah. I, I love these little towns that, that are dotted out in the countryside. If I could choose my own path in life, I would have grown up in a situation like yours, yeah. much more than a situation like mine in the middle of a metropolitan area with people living on top of each other. I would have much rather had access to the countryside the way you did growing up. And so, I mean, there's there's benefits to both. There's drawbacks to both. Right. But if I had my, this is going to be the biggest word this podcast has ever used. If I had my druthers, I would have grown up yeah. out in the middle of nowhere with gravel roads. I think it would be interesting to, to experience both. Well, I mean, I in the middle of my high school career, I lived in Scottsbluff, Nebraska as a, when, I, when I was a junior in high school. And that was uh, that was that kind of experience. Yeah. You know. Uh, and and you, you preferred the, the latter? I did. It, it was a strange situation where I actually lived in the middle of the city of Scotts Bluff. Only later did my parents, did my mom move to Nebraska. It's a, it's really insanely impossible to explain. But by the time they had moved there and lived out in the country, I was already back in Atlanta finishing up high school for a myriad of reasons. Gotcha. And I missed out on that yeah. country experience, which which I, I do regret just missing out on on living where they did. I know this is not a therapy session for Keith. Is, but do you uh, want me to host the podcast? Yeah, ask me about my grandparents and living with them as a senior in high school. Oh man, ask that question. How was it living with? Oh your- my gosh, dude, are you kidding me? No, it was it was fine. It had it, it had its drawbacks. It had its pluses, but uh, it's, it's it should have been a sitcom. Honestly, yeah, you know, high school senior lives with his eighty-something-year-old grandparents. I mean, that was oh, actually gosh. kind of fun. Uh, I did have more of a commute 
to get to high school because they didn't live in the high school district that I oh, yeah. was familiar with. But uh, no, it was it was. I would not trade that year living with my grandparents for anything. It actually was um, was a fun experience. Really, just getting to know them better. That's so pretty cool. It yeah. worked out. Yeah. Sorry, we made this about me. Well, I, I try not fun. to. You always hope do. You'll, hope you'll. Uh, yeah, because I'm an only child. <laughs> right. So, your artwork. You don't have like an active gallery that people could visit, like a brick no. and mortar type thing. But that's something no. you would like at some point, right? Yeah, I would. I would like to be a part of a gallery. Um, I, I've done a few shows uh, at some smaller galleries here in Dallas. How does that go? Do people come in? Well, first of all, your stuff's going to be featured in a gallery, right? Okay, so how do you get to that point? Is it just people you know that invite you, and then? Are you having to hang around while people are looking at your stuff and critiquing it, or how um, does that work? So I, I guess there's there's different ways. The one that I was in was a very informal gallery. It oh. was uh, it's called uh, I guess I've been in a few, but this the most recent one was Deep Elmar Company, which is like a music venue, a bar, and they have a, a gallery wall, and it's it's a really and they have a huge outdoor space, really cool place, um, and so you they can do either events or it's just like hey your artwork is is here for this month and it's just okay like a bar like a, a music venue and people in between acts or whatever can cool go so you're not there gallery. yeah you don't have to but on on event nights like oh. we we threw a big event uh a few years ago there that was solely like me and a couple friends um put this together and it was we chose the musicians we chose the artists we curated the whole thing and it was this big big event and it was that was interesting because you're there the whole time uh you know a lot of the people there but a lot of people are just coming in off whatever have heard about it um and come in and look at the art and so you're meeting you're meeting people that you don't know that are looking at your art too do they know that do they know that you're the artist and that you're the person they should talk to about Um, stuff or in some in some ways a lot of the time it's it's Oh, they're friends of another friend, or, okay. or just in, in talking. And it also helped that I had a self portrait up there, so they could look uh-huh. and look at me and be like, "Okay, oh, this." Has anyone ever come up to you at one of these showings and be like, "Man, this is crap, dude. What are you doing with your life?" Oh, thankfully, no. no that's good. But, that's good. Do you make sales at these uh, events at all? Uh, yeah, sometimes. So I did a. Uh, there was back in that was probably six six years ago. I went to San Francisco. There was a Bill Murray art gallery. Oh, and wow. it, it, Bill Murray wasn't there, but it was a. Uh, uh, this group did one that was based on Bill Murray, one that was uh, uh, Christopher Walken, and so these famous people. And so artists submit their stuff, works of these people, or you know whatever. And I just happened to have one of Bill Murray, and so I, I submitted it, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, send it out, fly out here." They, you know, they didn't pay for anything again. What? They didn't pay for shipping? No, like this isn't a big art gallery thing either. This is another event. But I ended up selling the piece for oh, like so twenty five hundred bucks. Wow! So it, it paid Good for, for you, man. But that that was cool because that was one where me and Sarah went, and we didn't know anybody, and you could actually sit by the art piece because nobody knows who you are, and just listen to what people are saying to get feedback. And it was it was good feedback. Like people were interested enough that someone ended up spending twenty five hundred bucks on it. So how cool was that? Yeah. Was it a fun trip to San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Did old. you see any human excrement while you were there? No, I I actually love San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
<laughs> that's cool. No, I do, yeah. That's good, man. Well, uh, that's that's a that's a nice price tag. Yeah, it's it's not bad. I've, is that the most you've made for a painting? No, so I... I uh, Come on, let's talk deets, man. What's um, the most you've made? I gotta know. I think the most was probably <laughs> 11... Wow, good for you. For but that was for multiple pieces. So the there's a Hilton in Cleveland, downtown Hilton. Okay. And um, <clears throat> Cleveland, there's a little town called Avon. That's where duct tape's made, right outside of Cleveland. <laughs> um, and so they, I, I've been there multiple times to do like a. They have a duct tape festival, and it's like you know really kid centric. It's the weird thing about duct tape is it attracts the oh, younger. Yeah, it's like the great unifier, though, uh, right? Because you got you got dads that are using it instead of yeah, but uh, they're not going to a duct tape. That's festival. okay, my bad. But I guess just generally speaking, the market for duct tape it, runs the yeah, gamut, huh? Yeah, it it does. But yeah, so I, I've been <laughs> for to, different reasons, right? <laughs> so I've done festivals in in Cleveland with with the uh, Sure Tape or Duck Duck brand, um, <laughs> and and then the this Hilton was being built in in downtown and they reached out to this art firm or whatever that gathers artists to to put stuff up there so I, I think they were looking for local artists out of Cleveland and then they wanted someone that did duct tape art and so duct tape sent them my information and the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is there too yeah so they reached out to me and they said all right so we want duct tape portraits of um, musicians of people that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh my gosh, this could have been huge, right? And it it was really cool. It was a lot of work, yeah. but it was really cool. And I went out after doing it and saw my pieces. I think I did four pieces. So yeah. I did what one that was six feet long by like three feet tall or something. I did the Sergeant Pepper's when you opened the album cover. <laughs> oh my gosh, that had to take forever. Ever. It took a long time. Oh. Um, and so I, I did that one. That one's on this big wall up there right in front of this big conference room in the Hilton. And then I did Debbie Harry Blondie, Buddy Holly, and Louis Armstrong. Very cool, man. And and where are those on display? All of them are at the Hilton? Or? They're all at the Hilton in Cleveland. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. I need to, uh, let, me, let me just do this real quick here. Chanceformanart.com. Let me take a look here. Oh my gosh, yeah, you're absolutely right. They look like paint now. You have perfected this. This is really impressive, Chance. And oh th my those gosh. were still a few years ago, so it's it's changed a little bit. I've, I'm not saying I'm great, but it's changed. Wow, no, this is, uh, this is really good stuff. Okay, chanceformanart.com. There is that Sergeant Pepper's uh, picture with them in the uniforms and stuff, and man, that's really cool. Uh, if you want to check out your art, chanceformanart.com or on Instagram chanceformanart anything else that we have neglected to cut look at these I mean there's they got animals and stuff here there's Teddy Roosevelt boy that Teddy Roosevelt one that is some detail dude gosh See, that's another one of the older ones oh yeah right. now I'm down that's to like the these bottom. up here Sorry. yeah, yeah. alright well you have a gift you really do this is really impressive stuff I encourage people to go and check it out um did I miss anything? Anything else going? Ross no. Perot? Did I see Ross Perot on there? <laughs> oh yeah, I did that one for him. For, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, stuff. I've got a friend that works for him, and they, they commissioned that. Oh great, man! All right. Well, I appreciate you making time here. Thank you so much. Yeah, buddy. thanks, man. Hey, I hope you enjoyed getting to know both Aaron Zinger and Chance Foreman today. 
on this edition of At The Mic. Please be sure to tell anyone you know who may need some casual conversations in their podcast feed. Be sure to follow this program through whatever app you use. We'd love to have not only you enjoy future episodes, but your friends and family as well. And please be sure to rate and review in Apple iTunes so more people can discover this show as we try to bring some calm to a very noisy world. And please don't forget to check out at themikeshop.com. That's where you can get an early jump on Christmas shopping. New items have just been added. Next week, I'm going to sit down with Jill Savage, who has a background in sports, but she has an interesting hobby on the side that we're going to talk about as well. That's next week on At The Mic. Until then, go be free, and thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect.